0: An opera singer and a comedian walk into a bar. She's gotten a taste of a career in classical music. He's spent several decades in the entertainment industry. They get to talking about show business, which they each know from very different angles, and they find they actually have a lot in common. Welcome to this segment of the Artists on the Verge podcast called, well, An Opera Singer and a Comedian Walk into a Bar. It features me, your host, opera singer-turned-experimental performer Emma Katrovis, talking to comedian and TV writer-turned-novelist Nicholas Anthony. We'll be having conversations from across the high-low art divide, with the goal of being honest about what a life-centering art, high or low, actually looks like. We recorded these first episodes in Prague, Czech Republic, in July 2023, and we'll be releasing them in chronological order. episode it's story time. Nick goes down the memory lane of his true Hollywood experience complete with agents and writers rooms and making sizzles. We also talk about the NACA's National Association for Campus Activities something I've never heard of before but which apparently launches some performance careers in the U.S. We talk about the beautiful netherworld of regional entertainment scenes my personal favorite topic and one I think high art folks can really learn from we also talk about the disappearance of the Hollywood middle class, and we do a little detour on the 80 year old mine living behind a curtain who used to be Nick's housemate. So, order your drinks and enjoy.
1: And why don't we have to have a clean start?
0: <laughs> because I know how to edit. <laughs> what?
1: You will not edit this house. This is how I sound. Everything else is a fake.
0: <laughs> um, so we left off with the pandemic last time and how that kind of made you reevaluate things. But I, I do think we still have to go back to like what you were reevaluating and the culture of LA and this dream that you kind of followed into LA. I'm telling you, you're making faces about it, <laughs> but it's fascinating. What kind to people. of faces?
1: Explain the faces to the people. Exasperated <laughs> faces.
0: <laughs> but it's actually really interesting. I mean, because it, it, I know, I know that feeling exactly with the opera world. I didn't. And I think you got further into the show business world than I maybe got into the opera world, although because the opera world is smaller, maybe you know, but that whole thing with you know brushes with celebrities, the politics of it being on the outside of it, you know that but also on the inside and knowing you know seeing it from the inside to me that's really interesting because I see these parallels between like the high art world and the show business world, which is which is so represented by Hollywood, even though there's multiple show business worlds. So I just I, I I really think that's interesting to people, even though it's like an old story to you. So you can't you I'd like to kind of like maybe just talk about like how you came to LA, what you found there, what you the wall that you came up against. I can talk about my wall if you want as well, and uh, and then up to the pandemic and like the reevaluation that 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 forced you kind of into.
1: Well, yeah, uh, I went into Los Angeles with a lot of momentum comedically. Um, I had gone to film school um, before then and gotten a degree in screenwriting. And by the way, you were doing that like with like as you were
0: also a real touring
1: road uh, comic. road comic, yeah. like
0: which and you you were telling me you don't even know how the hell you got like did that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it. I I don't know how that happened, but mm. somehow I was able to piece together enough credits to mm-hmm. get a degree, and yeah, it was pretty awesome. And I got to you know like wear a cap and gown, and my grandparents <laughs> came, and it all seemed like I
0: boycotted I... both of my <laughs> <laughs> graduation, yeah, all I,
1: of mine. It just was like a classic, you know, like graduation, and I was basically a full time performer as mm-hmm. well. Um, fifty percent of the time, I was doing these comedy magic shows. I had an agent, and um, I was lucky enough to do like corporate shows and like after dinner shows. Mm-hmm. Like the holiday time was really busy. Every mm-hmm. weekend, I'd Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I'd have shows mm-hmm. in December, and and I kind of when I started doing stand up, I grew out of out of that, and eventually out of magic, out of yeah, doing any sleight of hand and. Mm-hmm liked the comedy part of it more and um
0: that's a that's a fly. Oh god. I man. don't think it'll be audible on the recording. You don't think so? <laughs> no. This is the
1: episode of Breaking Bad, the fly. <laughs> which which one is that? They're making meth and then they just are sitting there inside mm-hmm. this like completely clean room and all mm-hmm. they can hear is this fly. Oh. And it like ends up opening. drives them crazy yeah well it opens up their relationship because it oh. forces them to like talk to each other Oh, okay um yeah so going to los angeles was uh was the move you know mm-hmm. it was the next logical move i mean so was
0: it logical or was it just
1: well it would have been new york or la right okay Because I had already moved to Chicago, Mm -hmm. I moved back to Minnesota, Mm -hmm. and then I moved to Louisville Mm -hmm. because I wanted to just do comedy, Mm -hmm. and there was a comedy club there that was headlining me, and from Louisville, if you look on the map, it Mm -hmm. is the middle of the highway system of Uh the East Coast. It's where like uh, UPS and DHL Mm -hmm. all have their headquarters Mm -hmm. because they can get to everywhere on Mm -hmm. the Eastern Coast and Midwest and South. It's in the middle there. So for that same reason, it was a great place to be a, a road comedian because with an a furnished apartment, I think I was spending like three hundred dollars a month on rent, mm-hmm. and I lived with a man named Aladdin. And the was comedy... see the
0: mind behind the no no no. no, no. no. this
1: was in Louisville oh, okay um, and it was just like a really I mean it was a, it was a very hopeful time I mean it was the beginning of Facebook it was oh, I remember okay. signing up for my Facebook account in that apartment oh wow yeah. And, um, yeah, a Salvador Dali painting, like Mm -hmm. a print on the wall that I bought. It was the only thing that I had. Everything else with the bed was already there and all the furniture was, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: it wasn't like super fancy. And, um, um, that's
0: an interesting detail that you signed up for Facebook. Like, so this was 2008 ish. That's when I signed up for Facebook too, actually. That was the same year, but it was before, I mean, it was before Twitter
1: Oh, for sure! Uh, yeah, was
0: before Instagram, was, I mean, it was really YouTube before... was a thing already. Yeah,
1: because I was doing but this little web much. series called Two Minute Nick, mm-hmm. and um, that was yeah. It just was the it was the beginnings. Yeah, you know, it was it was the beginnings, and um, you know, again, I, I, you know, we can speak to something like I know we're trying to put this in like a greater context, mm-hmm. but I can just speak to my own experience, which was. Started in Minneapolis, just an open micer. you know, although I was doing corporate shows for like good money, Mm -hmm. 45 minute to an hour shows, I would go and just do three minutes some night, just working on comedy Mm -hmm. and did that a lot. And then moving to Chicago, Chicago was good, but I ended up, I had a relationship fall apart there, (laughs) um, that kind of put a stain on it and- Mm -hmm. I just never really connected with the Chicago comedy scene. Um,
0: but Louisville was really good.
1: Yeah, I had I ended up making a lot more friends mm-hmm. there, just by chance, you know, it was just...
0: Yeah, well, it's, it's like a club, we were talking about this last time, I think, it's always like a bit of a club every time, and somewhere they might like you and somewhere they won't. And that's a very common story
1: that... And vice versa, you know, yeah. like you don't necessarily like certain people, mm-hmm. and you just get to a place where you're like, I, I was old enough to know like, Well, I'm not going to hang around with people I don't want to spend time with. I don't, Mm. I'm not just going to like try to be, you know, in the club when, you know, Mm. in the cool kids gang, when you're like not one of the cool kids, you're like, I, I love me and I love what I do. And I've got Mm -hmm. a ton of great friends and family and creative relationships and professional relations, you know, like you just, I don't, I think that's something sometimes people will uh, it was described to me as like show business, meaning that there there are many fronts mm-hmm. in the war, if uh-huh. you will. And if you, you know, you can kind of fight, if you put all your effort into one front, mm-hmm. well, then something else could fall apart or you can go mm-hmm. move to a different front in the war. And, and the fronts are literal places? No, or? these are like, you know, the front could be you know stand-up is just one front Mm -hmm. but then even stand-up can get broken up into what's your relationship to the comedians in new york or Mm -hmm. to agents and you know Mm -hmm. or to doing festivals Mm -hmm. or to um you know your online presence Mm -hmm. like what's your you know at that time i mean it was before you know there was a time there where i tried to get lots of twitter followers yeah i didn't (laughs) but uh, you know that was something that a lot everyone was trying to do and Mm -hmm. And you just, you're, you're trying these different things. Am I going to act? Am I going to write? Am I going to, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And, um, so, but eventually I ended up back in Minnesota, um, with this idea that when I was younger, I always wanted to be on a coast. hmm And if it, I signed with a, with a, a talent manager mm-hmm. and he was the greatest dude. Yeah, I really enjoyed this guy. Um. And, um, so I went into LA with management, with a college agent mm. and, you know, ha- had gotten what they call, these are these things called NACAs. Oh, what is uh, that? NACA is the, um, it's the showcasing system upon which musicians and comedians and all these different people, you submit a video and then they select you just to come do a audition, like an, not an audition, but like a showcase. Mm-hmm.
0: what does it stand for naca
1: uh national college blah 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 something i don't know exactly but naca is very i mean everyone from i'm sure maroon five to kevin hart came up through naca at some point okay you know on the on the come-ups when you're actually like it's a way to make some real money Mm -hmm. because you can book with one conference you could book 200 shows yeah and everywhere from 1000 to $5,000 a date. like yeah. It's a big deal and it can really break open somebody's mm. career. Um, and I got nationals. So there's mm. these regional ones, mm. which you can still do well in, but then there's nationals. And I got like one regional, one or two regionals and a national. Mm. And um, they just didn't, like, it was I just didn't hit. I, it was I had sets that weren't just wasn't, uh, didn't go as well as I was hoping, the national one. Okay. The regional ones went well. Mm-hmm. And I got like, I don't know, a couple hundred dates. Mm. But then when I went to nationals, it was like.
0: Do you just get one shot
1: at this? Yeah. Or... Okay, and, so and it's like I... a
0: big like showcase, like a cattle call, what we call like well, Where it's like it's... a bunch of different artists showing at the same time?
1: Well, basically they invite all the kids from all the colleges. Uh-huh. From all, all Like at the nationals, it's from all over the mm-hmm. country. And they put them in a hotel uh-huh. and there's a conference room. And then they start on Wednesday and they go through like till the following Monday and every day there's showcases.
0: But the, the college kids are there to watch?
1: To watch the shows.
0: So they and, select college kids to watch the shows to make, to, to select the ones that are going to be good for colleges?
1: Correct. But these That's kids crazy. are like in charge of like what, like they're the event coordinator for the college.
0: Oh. And, and okay. they have
1: an adult who's also probably okay. like the, the overseer of it all, but it's usually college okay. kids. So it's a combination of like I was young, was a ton of young people. Mm. It was super fun, and then oh, you
0: hung out with them too?
1: Oh my god, we partied our f- 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 oh I
0: mean, wow!
1: I mean, mind <laughs> this is blowing. It's like a
0: whole world. I don't even mind
1: know. blowing parties. Like okay. there was that's how my buddy uh, Brian. Who,
0: so so wait, colleges are paying for a bunch of college students yep. to go somewhere, be in a hotel. Watch some shows, mm-hmm. which they are then allowed to select to possibly come to their yeah venue, to their college. Yeah, but they also get to party at this time.
1: Oh, it's just a—it's everyone has a hotel room. We're all in the same. And then there's like a—I um, don't even know. I
0: don't. This is like this is this is because I. This,
1: but what this, this is, is the not other part. my experience of this, college. This is way more interesting. <laughs> okay. So then there's a there there's booths. Mm-hmm. So when you finish your showcase, if it goes well. Uh huh. They open up the, the oh, I forget what they would call this. It would be the area where all the booths were. Uh-huh. So every agent had a booth okay. and anybody. And you, you
0: were already represented by an agent. Correct. Okay.
1: But anybody, in theory, if you wanted, mm-hmm. Emma Ketrovus could go and set up a booth and you could, you know, like sell mm-hmm. yourself to these college kids as they're walking. It's like a conference, like a convention.
0: Okay, like a convention.
1: And if you know, when things go well, you'd have a showcase and then Mm. they'd say, Hey, the next opening of the, I forget what they call the little area, but, um, Mm. uh, the next, you know, is at three o'clock and these performers, if you liked them, here's their different booths. at the end of their sets, Mm. they would say this person's at booth. And so people would write it down. And, and if you were really good, you'd get a line of college kids, like, like you were famous, mm-hmm. you know, and they'd want to, you know, talk to you about coming to their school and mm-hmm. just hang out with you. and mm. um, But it was also super competitive. You're right. You know, there's a lot of, I mean, it's.
0: How many stand up comedians were there? Was uh, that pretty common for stand up? Yeah,
1: 100, you know, oh, over the shoot. week, you know? Okay. Maybe not that many, but a lot. Like, okay. you, I mean, you were lucky to get chosen. Yeah. What happened for me, though, the convention starts on Thursday, I showcased on Monday. Okay. By the time i got to my showcase most of them had already booked their talent for the year yes and so i realized i probably got a spot that wasn't that sexy yeah you know like i mean you could make the argument if i was just like dynamite and i just blew people's mm-hmm. mind they would obviously yeah. but it, it was like 10 o'clock in the morning on a monday and it was yeah. It just was one of those things where I didn't. I put a lot of effort into getting it. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, just getting the agent was hard.
0: Yeah. Getting
1: the showcases, you mm-hmm. know, getting the tape together to yeah. get the showcase. We had to go back and forth with the agents. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I was performing at the Ice House in Pasadena, mm-hmm. and that was the set that I had the agents come and see me. Mm-hmm. And then they come in the green room and they signed. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, I mean, not officially, but like, you know, they're like, "This is great. We're mm-hmm. so excited." And then
0: but this was all happening in la this um, is like you know
1: this was happening on my way to LA because okay. I was making these relationships okay. through some people I'd met in the Midwest yeah and then um, the agency it's a very famous uh, this guy named Joey Edmonds he's mm-hmm. actually a part of a two-person comedy team mm-hmm. like that was on like I I could be wrong on this, but I believe he was on The Tonight Show like way back in the day. Mm-hmm. It was called Edmonds and Curly. They mm-hmm. were a 2%. So Joey Edmonds was the, he he was kind of retiring right as I came in. And mm-hmm. he, he was kind of like, he was just like a mentor and just like a really, really good guy. And his daughter was running things. And um, it just didn't go as well as, you know, like, it. I don't, it, it just I didn't have the reception that I would have liked. Yeah. It didn't, um, I don't know. I don't know how much is my fault, and I just wasn't the right time, or I wasn't. I do But don't it's know. Not,
0: but you got the regional stuff.
1: I got regional stuff, but region, different regions all over the country. I was performing mm-hmm. all over the place, mm-hmm. and those shows. You know, anytime we'd go, the shows would be amazing. Yeah, it was so fun. But, but that
0: means that you had some, like you had some steady income from that, right? Or not yeah, steady?
1: Yeah, but... for a couple of years there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, so it, that's it,
0: not. I mean, yeah. it's better than on a lot of people. But what it sounds like is. I guess when it gets to the to the point of really an opportunity hanging really on one sh- one. Oh, it's a huge deal, yeah. And that's I mean that that's the problem kind of when it when the the show business gets to the point or your career gets to the point where you're hanging on that one
1: yeah.
0: opportunity and so many. I mean, this is in classical music in, in these kind of academically trained spaces where there's such an overproduction. Um, But also so much this disproportion of money to, you know, to audiences and everything that we've kind of touched on. Everyone's life kind of hangs on like a couple auditions. It feels like there's not like this really like this idea
1: of every I mean, Johnny Carson thought that his career was over before he got The Tonight Show. Yeah. Like there's stories. I mean, everyone's one job away. Mm -hmm. You know, like everyone. I mean, that's what unfortunately keeps you in the fucking business Mm -hmm. is this idea that it's just. You know, I just need, it's like a gambler's mentality on some level. And it's not a healthy way to think about it. It's it's not like, like it, you just, I mean, yes. I mean, I don't know. It. Obviously you have to have talent you have to be ready, you know, Mm -hmm. and you have to, you know, have all these intangibles and have your shit together and be mentally, you know, together enough to handle when opportunities come Mm -hmm. and the pressure comes. And for me, it wasn't that. It was, I think for me, I was a good performer and I just hadn't really aligned what I was talking about with like who I really was. Yeah. And so there was a bit of a disconnect in terms of like, I was still, I was kind of, my comedy came out of, you know, the, like the late 2000s. You know, I mean, it was, I was doing a lot of colleges. I was like, I was a young guy. It was a lot of like, (laughs) <laughs> I was trying to be smart, but Young that gadgets. stuff didn't necessarily yeah. work a lot. And mm. so the stuff that worked from me, from my voice, which some of it, I didn't even like sometimes, mm. but that was, you know, the drinking stuff and talking yeah. about relationships and, and sex, sex and, and this kind of stuff, like that that. stuff really crushed and you have to do well, you know? Yeah. And so I, I wasn't really, I, you know, I, you know, the, I always say, I have no regrets. Um, I guess if, if I was to give myself some advice at 20, Mm -hmm. I would have said like, really be patient before you start taking money Mm -hmm. for what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Because once, you know, money starts, like you're lucky, yes, to get paid to do stand-up comedy, Mm -hmm. but once it's paying, you know, like your food and your insurance and all that, it's a pressure that is, um... I don't know. It's just survival, though, too. Like, I also think that there's part of it that that's that's some of that's good, you know, mm-hmm. this pressure. And um, but I think there's something to be said about being taking your time and really figuring mm-hmm. who you are, just who you want to be on mm-hmm. a stage as opposed to I think I was really allowing audiences to kind of determine who I was mm-hmm. um, more so than I would care to have it. Yeah. liked to have that happen,
0: but that must come out of this sense of scarcity, right? And insecurity, and just you just want to be up there. Totally. Want to hone your craft. Totally. But you also have to cater to them, yeah.
1: Totally. And I was, you know, like the. I think one of the things that I had a strength of in these showcase situations, I could perform, and mm. I think unfortunately I saw a lot of great comedians. Just like when it came time to do their eight minutes, mm. they they just weren't the guy that or girl that. I knew how funny they could mm. be, and it and you know it, that's not a great feeling watching somebody yeah. who you know is objectively. I'm like mm. that comic's better than me, mm. but they couldn't deliver tonight because they yeah. just didn't. They let the pressure get to them, mm. or and um, that's a fascinating thing. But I, mm. I I did you know I I was lucky enough to, to take first place in a couple comedy contests that really helped my career. I also took like you know I was you know, in the finals of a bunch of comedy mm. contests, too, that I didn't win. And, um, I met a lot of people that, I mean, I've met so many people that are like uh, that way. I mean, mm. I've met so many great comics, um, and I got to sit in the back of, you know, green rooms, who I think got yeah. to be very really good friends with a lot, a lot of really, really people who are, you know, seriously, you know, successful and famous people. Yeah. And, um, It's, you know, it's, it's a wild experience. It was very cool. I don't, I'm happy to have had it. And, um, uh, getting to Los Angeles, Los Angeles just felt like this place that, um, wrapping my head around it was first and foremost, very hard. Mm -hmm. Um, because I went there with this very, like, I don't want to become like an LA guy. (laughs) <laughs> and I always had this, and then you quickly realize it's just a yeah. place. Mm. And the first year was great. And then after that, I remember from like year, I want to say like after year one till like year four, I really had a hard time. Like, And
0: that was what years?
1: Uh, so I got there just at the end of 2010. Mm. Um, I put out an album. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: oh, that's the one I've heard?
1: Yep. The, one the professional chose. child. Mm-hmm. And um, I was really happy. You know, it, I felt like it was... It had done a, a, you know, it was encapsulated everything, you know, kind of backwards from that point. Like, all right, now I can move forward. And I started doing a bunch of showcases and performed at all the clubs and. Mm. um, In L.A. In Los Angeles. Yeah, I was doing the Ice House a lot. I did all of them, improv, comedy store.
0: But you said that the audiences there were a bit different?
1: The audiences there respond to celebrity. Mm. So, yeah, it's different. It's just a yeah. different thing. It it, 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 Sometimes going into the clubs there felt like I was going to a bar that mm-hmm. I wouldn't go to. Ah. You know, it's well, just, yeah. it, it just was like, you know, and, you know, you can argue that like, oh, well, that's what's weeding people out. And it's mm-hmm. like, I didn't feel that way necessarily in New York. Mm-hmm. I mean... I should say that the showcasing in LA is is great. When you have mm. your time and you're like, oh, I know this stuff works, and mm. I'm showcasing. I had tons of great sets. Yeah. But um, I just never really felt comfortable growing there, and I knew mm. I needed to grow because I just I, I I I like I said I I wasn't I was reading a ton and I was, I ended up going to UCLA and I started studying screen, you know, I already had a screenwriting degree, but then I got into this program, um, at UCLA Another and, screenwriting program. Yeah. And, uh, and then you
0: started to also write for television, right? Well, the screenwriting point.
1: program was in like 2013 and then in like January of 2014, I could be wrong on that date, but, um, I submitted, I, I was always submitting to writing contests, and I- You said you
0: submitted to like 200 or probably, many, many. Yeah, yeah. Probably.
1: That's probably a fair number. Um, and uh, ended up uh, winning final drafts, uh, TV pilot mm-hmm. writing contest, which uh, you know, ironically or not, was a pilot based off of my first talent agency back in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Called Never Famous, and it was the premise of like of regional performers who took themselves so seriously, yeah. but it was like magicians and clowns mm-hmm. and jugglers and
0: you have such a great view into that world. Oh, it's, that regional performance. I've had world. people
1: reread this script recently, and they're like, "This is yeah. There's there's a lot of holes and problems because yeah. I was like 19 when I wrote it, but people. No, you were older than 19. Come on. When I started, that was like the first script I ever really worked, and oh, then I okay. brought it to UCLA and oh, polished okay. it. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it, it, it. Maybe I wasn't 19. I probably started writing it when I was. Man,
0: but you're talking about like the 25. years 2010, 20, 20. So you yeah. would have been like 28.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it 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 sat around for a long time that script, yeah. and I worked on it for a long time. And when I look back on it, there is one really, really. I wrote this clown character. It opens, and he's got clown makeup on, and he's mm. rolling a joint, and somebody's asking him if he's happy <laughs> and he goes into this rant about like, <laughs> like he's like angry, you know, He's in happy face clown makeup rolling in this joint, like screaming mm-hmm. at somebody. And then as you know, he has to like immediately walk on stage mm-hmm. and you know, the lights turn on and mm-hmm. he <laughs> does the whole crusty, the clown <laughs> turn on. But, um, it's almost like what, um, Parks and Rec, mm-hmm. you know, it's like about, Pawnee, I think, Indiana. Mm. This was about Saint Cloud, Minnesota, mm-hmm. and they—you were performing for like cattlemen's associations yeah. and you know mm-hmm. little you know, county fairs yeah. and and but they all took it so seriously. Yeah, and no, I, but
0: this is like this world of these regional performers is one. I mean, first of all, I think I believe it's probably dying out. Probably.
1: Well, there's th- 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 that agency is still thriving. It's thriving. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, th- there's still like because it's this weird underworld. That yeah, no
0: one. It's kind of how I feel about these regional opera houses in the Czech Republic that I've seen. It's a weird nether world almost. Yeah, there's still no summer stock
1: about. and all these yeah. weird. The, these there's all these things that exist in different yeah. markets, and I think it really comes down to the guy who ran the agency. He was just he, you know, he he was a good salesman. Mm-hmm. Um, I. I don't know if I ever like really loved his taste, you know, Mm -hmm. and I don't necessarily think he should have been in show business, (laughs) but um, he was just a really good salesman and Mm -hmm. and created this thing that was immensely successful and brought revenue to a tremendous amount of, of talented, talented performers. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, unfortunately artistic people don't necessarily always know how to sell themselves. And so in that respect, like he created this, I mean, I, it's a yeah. very. I, I mean, I don't know how. Can you describe those some of the acts that
0: were there? Like that, what kind of performers were? Because you were a magician, right? There? I was.
1: I was doing comedy magic. Comedy yeah. magic, okay. Yeah. And I was also doing some close-ups. So they would hire me sometimes, like before a uh, like 3M would have me come mm-hmm. in, and they'd have like a division where there's 300 people, mm-hmm. and they're having a dinner. And then part of my deal would be like, hey, for an hour during. Um, the buffet. They want mm. you to go table to table and oh, do okay. close up magic. Mm. And I mean, you know, yeah, they're paying you in, in, in
0: yeah. I mean, I mean, it's nice. An
1: extra five hundred bucks just to do the yeah. hour of close up magic, and then another mm-hmm. fifteen hundred for the show. That's the that was at the beginning. That's yeah. the lowest amount. Yeah. And then you know those were great dates. Yeah. And they didn't happen, you know, all the time. But mm. when they did, oof, that that was a good. I mean, you all you need is yeah.
0: what like two or three every month, I really. Mean, yeah. I mean, it's great. Yeah, so, and what other acts, just, we'll go back to L.A. But I mean, just,
1: I remember cause... performing with, like, guys who did, like, uh gun slinging oh, yeah, acts. Okay. Who did, ju- I mean, really talented people. But to Mimes, be... yeah. clowns, uh, a lot of comedians who mm-hmm. were, like, you had to be really clean. That was the other yeah. part of it. So you did have, you You, you, you couldn't did, curse, you could yeah, talk you, about. you dealt like... with some people that were a little bit more on the cheesy side of yeah. things. Conservative um, side, maybe. Well, just, you know, like. I think anytime someone claims to be a clean comedian, Mm -hmm. I don't personally like. There are a lot of comics who happen to be clean, the Jim Gaffigans and Mm -hmm. the Brian Regans, who are just naturally clean, Mm -hmm. you know, comics. I think they're hilarious, but they don't Mm -hmm. bill themselves as clean comedy. Mm -hmm. But when you bill yourself as "come see the clean comedy show," (laughs) it's it's a little bit like Christian rock. You know, I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of great rock that doesn't claim, you know that people who happen to be christians that aren't mm. who don't claim something yeah. about christian rock i don't I, yeah i personally have not yeah but um
0: but I, i'm just i because i always have in my mind the the listener who's let's say potentially someone who's yeah. more like the academically trained you yeah. know kind of and looking at this agency this is all like stuff and skills that just is not i mean i will say at the academy we did have a mime department yeah um, but, but that was in Prague because yeah. we have a tradition. I don't, yeah. I don't think there's very many mime departments in the United States. Well,
1: you have Ringling Brothers, you have all these like famous circuses. And, yeah, but, and... but they're
0: not, but what I'm saying is that like, cause the academically trained, you know, people have these dreams and they go mm-hmm. study acting or yeah. they go study, yeah. you know,
1: whatever. It's like a subdivision of their skill set, like miming.
0: Well, th- I mean, I think most people don't learn. But also even if they learn it, you know, to, to put together a show that's actually like sellable in a in something like this that's that's a like i haven't i certainly haven't i kind of started to to think in those terms doing these little um concerts that i did with this guitar player um and i started to kind of understand because he was also part of a rock band so he he did both classical and rock and so that kind of helped me understand a little bit better what people kind of want yeah um and I was always really, really wanted to introduce people to new stuff. I didn't yeah. just want to regurgitate to them what they think they want. And I always it was kind of like you had to give them something really nice and easy to, to understand. Yeah. And then you'll tell a story like I would actually do um, The Flower by uh, John Cage, which is where I just accompany myself on a little tambourine. And yeah. it's and, and just it's it's not, you know, toe tappy music. But because I tell the story of it beforehand Mm -hmm. and say that actually, you know, John Cage also wrote this composition that's just silence for four and a half minutes or however much time. And you're supposed to listen to the sound around you. And this is a very quiet piece. Listen to the sound around you. So I, I tried to like, think about like, how can I bring audiences into this? But it was like it was like pulling teeth trying to get you know concerts. It was just like pulling teeth. And oh, I yeah. and yeah. I think that I mean there must be circuits like the one that that you did you know like these agencies. Well, but and these this kind were of thing. so
1: saccharine they would make your teeth yeah. fall out. These shows. Yeah. I mean these types. I mean this is. I mean the, the, these aren't you know this wasn't the hip. There was nothing. I mean there's a lot of hip. Like uh, there was a jazz musician that was on that, you know, he would do like after dinner piano or, Mm -hmm. and he was actually, I hired him to, there's this short film that I did called The Nihilist and Mm -hmm. he helped me write the composition and hired all the musicians. We recorded a score with the Minnesota, Mm -hmm. uh, I think it was the Minnesota Public Orchestra. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it was all original music. I mean, really Mm -hmm. talented. I mean, and there's some of the most talent, like. Some of these guys are incredibly talented. There was this Mm -hmm. one guy who was a juggler. um, You're talking about
0: the guys in the agency. Yeah,
1: and women. There was hypnotists and there was some really- The women
0: were hypnotists and clairvoyants and the men were gunslingers.
1: There were some guy hypnotists (laughs) and there were some girl jugglers. Okay. you You know, it was- there was some diversity there it was, it was tremendously diverse there was so much yeah. different stuff but one of the guys was robin williams fund. like he made he was so good yeah but he just enjoyed doing his little circuit of mm. midwest and he made yeah. you know probably six figures plus and yeah. he's probably still working i don't yeah. i mean um
0: but i feel like we, we like i i would like to just like take my classmates from the academy and just like make them go to some of this stuff watch it and see what they can take from it well they
1: it. would probably think they were better than it because it's not the actual, like, if you're an intelligent person who, like, appreciates high art, mm-hmm. you would come to this. You you might appreciate it. There's mm-hmm. there's crossover there. Yeah. Like, I mean, well, I had... It,
0: look, entertainment is entertainment. It's like...
1: But there's there's a, there's a couple different ways. You could mm-hmm. be the cheesy as hell guy mm-hmm. and get away with that and still make, you know, hey, I did my 50 shows this mm-hmm. year and it was a thousand bucks a show mm-hmm. and I made a living. But then there was the guys that are just, like, really, really good that they did have... I thought crossover appeal, but they didn 't have the ambition uh-huh. and so, so that 's why I named the the piece never famous mm-hmm. is it was a combination of it was people who thought they were really talented mm-hmm. who were pissed off that they weren't bigger, and mm-hmm. then there were people that were actually super talented yeah. that were never going to leave that bubble mm-hmm. and so they were going to stay in this little circuit yeah and i, I still think it's interesting. i mean it, mm-hmm. it
0: it's it, fast to me yeah, it's fascinating it, it, like, it,
1: it I would love. To figure out that script and get yeah. that show made, because I, I still think it's interesting. Um, so go to LA, have uh, you know? I, I, I mean, I had an eight, I had a manager. Mm-hmm. I got I, I got the you know they talk about like you know going to all the studios and having the meetings. I got mm-hmm. ushered around and I got mm-hmm. meetings with casting directors and I mm-hmm. mean production companies and Lionsgate mm-hmm. and. All I mean, I, I I have a true LA experience in that mm. respect, and um, but wasn't developing as a comic. Yeah. Wasn't my voice. Wasn't like I, I felt like a fighter without a gym. Mm. And so I think what was happening is I was even in twenty fourteen I was like something doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna and, and the writing thing started when I when I won that writing contest. To me, that was like a big light bulb moment mm-hmm. of like. All right, this is the universe saying like hey man here's something that you might be better at
0: mm.
1: possibly and you do like naturally i mean as, as good as i got at stand up i had to work my fucking ass off to get well, really performing is hard yeah and 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 i i don't think i got anywhere near what my potential is but it just it, it just didn't feel right in los angeles this with those stages and that open like for me just my personality it just didn't feel right so when I got that opportunity to, you know, and I got something that was like, oh, this is undeniably a credit now. Like I'm mm-hmm. now getting meetings, not just because I'm new, because that's what I was getting with that manager. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, here's the new kid in town. You want to meet with them? Sure, sure. Now it's like, oh, he won something. Mm-hmm. Here's the here's the thing. And um, it still was hard. You know, people mm-hmm. were still like, well, writing contests don't mean anything, and blah blah. blah. You know, I still got this pushback. Yeah. And, um, only through, uh, there was a, one of my teachers at UCLA ended up hiring me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was kind of like, it was almost like me winning the contest because yeah. he knew me, Yeah. but it was once I won the contest, it would like allow him to justify yeah, right. hiring me. Yeah. Cause you're like, Oh, cause he had tons of students. There yeah. was a bunch of animosity. Yeah, I'm sure mm-hmm. people were mad that I was the one, mm-hmm. I mean, I never, no one ever confronted me or anything, yeah. but, um, you know it 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 was it was an interesting time and then um i did two seasons on that show and the and they fired the showrunner and they thought they could do it themselves mm-hmm. and then they asked me to come on even though it wasn't with the original showrunner and so i had to call my friend and be like hey mm-hmm. this is the deal and he's like he wasn't happy about it not mad at me he was mad at them but he totally was like, I can't give you another job. So yeah, please continue. And so I helped while I was doing cruise ships mm-hmm. um, and and clubs and stuff mm-hmm. and corporates. Uh, I would write when I was on the ship. I remember mm-hmm. one time it was like a great week because I was making the money of of performing on the ship and mm-hmm. I was making my my script fee mm-hmm. that same. I was like, that was a great. Yeah. I was like, man, this is working out nice. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was one of the good weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, plenty of lean weeks, but that was one of the good ones. And Um, and along the way I was just having an experience living in LA, you Mm. know, going from a terrible apartment at first Mm. where,
0: when did the mind behind the flap come into this? So I lived in an apartment
1: (laughs) where a guy, he basically had a one bedroom apartment, had a kitchen in the front, Mm. just, you know, the carpet was just never vacuumed for Mm. 20 years, Mm -hmm. just gray (laughs) cake carpet. He had like, you know like ripped out playboys on the wall. Mm-hmm. Just this fascinating guy. His name was Marvin. I, I believe he was Guatemalan. Loved to drink. Was actually a very nice guy, but just a low ambition dude, uh, <laughs> who just like liked this quote unquote surfer life. And, but he must've been paying nothing for rent. Cause mm-hmm. he only charged me like 600 bucks. But what it was is I basically, I rented the back room. Mm-hmm. He lived behind a curtain. in What was the kitchen? <laughs> so he had a bed there. <laughs> And when I moved into the place
0: this guy living behind him, it was, yeah, it's
1: like, yeah, it was crazy. And when I moved into the place, my buddy moved me in and he goes, man, I hate to say it, but this is the type of place people kill themselves. And I was like, whoa, dude, I'm just moving in, you know, like easy. And, uh, the thing that was crazy about Marvin is Marvin would, without telling me rent out the flap. So I would just come home one day and there'd be somebody else just sitting at the table. there, like, Hey man. I'd be like, okay, what's your name? He's like, I'm Joe. I remember there was this guy, Joseph from Pennsylvania. He was an actor and he lived behind the flap for a while. And I would go into my room and I at least got to shut the door and lock it. Yeah. I didn't... And I had my own room at least. And, um, eventually one of the guys that lived behind the flap was this like 80 year old mime Oh, that,
0: okay so, so he he
1: basically know. rented it out to this guy who had been an actor for he had like
0: mm-hmm.
1: I mean he was telling me stories about acting with like um, oh man uh, I forget the famous actors from the mm-hmm. 60s and 70s like um, uh, Paul Newman he was saying mm-hmm. he had a he he was on set with Paul Newman and then he I looked up his IMDB and he'd been working for he was yeah. like a real like I mean he's, he was living in the flap of this yeah. apartment <laughs> so he wasn't crushing it <laughs> But it was, it was a little bit of, you know, like but he goat.
0: had a life in show business. He,
1: I mean, he's probably, I hate to say it, but he's probably passed now. Okay. And, um, yeah, but he was gay and a vegetarian mm-hmm. and anytime I would bring home a girl mm-hmm. or meat, <laughs> he would get super passive aggressive. Oh. We just hated each other. And it was, and it, and at first I tried to be really nice because like an old guy and uh-huh. then he would just be really, really mean to me. And the one image I remember him, he had one of those um, uh, pill things, mm-hmm. but for an entire month. So it had thirty <laughs> slots, and he would just buy pills in bulk. Like there'd be piles. Of, oh like he looked like a little drug deal. Like, a, but it was just vitamins, yeah. and he would. And that's what he would do once a month with no shirt on, like in his underwear, just like putting his pills together. And I can remember coming home with like a subway sandwich, and him just being like, ah huh ah, yeah like real like pastor like steak huh <laughs> and you're like yep steak it is you know like <laughs> and i just walked past. i just eventually just i grew to really like yeah yeah again you know uh-huh. <laughs> or if i ever brought home you know like if there was anyone else like oh cool another you know you're like i don't know what's going on with this guy it was it was yeah I, I ran into him one time in a, in a grocery store, like after the fact, after I'd moved out and he was just sitting there at like, it was like one in the morning and he was just like looking at plums <laughs> and it was just like, I just can't talk to him. I just, because right before we left, uh, we, he like, we just, I mean, it's like a week before we just, he was just, I don't know what, I don't remember why, but we got into a big fight mm-hmm. just screaming at each other. And, <laughs> Um, I ended up like literally having to like walk around the block to like cool oh, down. I was like, what is going on? Jeez. Why? The, what the hell? And After those days, after we like had it out and Mm -hmm. I just told him, I'm like, you're always yelling at me about meat and I can't bring any girls out. (laughs) And for those next days, it was the coolest. And he like, we were like, he made me food and like, yeah, so it ended on a good note, but I just had
0: to confront him. I
1: think maybe I, yeah, maybe I needed to push back a little bit. I don't know, but.
0: But it's like me and Leon with, with my landlady. Yes. Yeah. It is,
1: yeah. It's just a miscommunication. I it's, guess. you know, people at different phases of their lives. Mm-hmm. And so then I moved into a much nicer place on Sixth Street and my life kind of changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I lived in a very cool space. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was very proud of the space. And we ended up shooting a short film there. And mm-hmm. um, there was like a lot of, it, it attracted a lot of fun and people. Yeah. And, it was a place to, you know, I ended up convincing my roommates to put a ping pong table in over a, a pick, uh, kitchen table. Mm-hmm. And that just was fun. And it just. So you got it,
0: to live a cool little LA. Yeah, really, a really
1: cool. Mm-hmm. Lemon tree, giant lemon tree oh, in the yeah. backyard. And um, just awesome. And then there was
0: also, you also did some kind of like comedy shorts kind of for YouTube, but they were produced by. You know, like the one about the after The Walking Dead yeah. kind of thing? yep. Because you were that set to for, look uh, like the...
1: Yeah, that was just like a small project that mm-hmm. a friend of mine um, wanted to come together. He cast me in it, and mm-hmm. yeah, they ended up going on Funny or Die. Yeah,
0: Funny Die. Yeah.
1: Yep, yeah, and they were a, a parody of The Walking Dead because when my hair long, I kind of look like Rick from The Walking Dead.
0: <laughs> you did in that particular show. Totally. Like what they did with, like, yeah. it, you look a lot like it. yeah.
1: It's crazy because when you hear that guy talk he sounds so british and not rick mm-hmm. from and it's yeah. so and yeah
0: but, but yeah but the premise was just that it was like these it's called mo- the post
1: post apocalypse yeah so, so it's like these
0: mundane moments after the apocalypse yeah
1: where they all had ptsd <laughs> yeah. and I, you can find them online still somewhere yeah they're on I don't youtube think, i think yeah
0: i don't know if they're but in any case that that to me was like i don't know that you would have ever made that if you that was a, to me a very la project totally yeah was, yeah
1: and it was I was honored. It way. was actually the thing that got me to realize I could do some acting. Like yeah. I, I, I never thought of myself in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. And, um. And I had even projects that I had come up with that we shot sizzles for, like, you know, intense, Mm. put lots of money into. I always cast... Sizzles?
0: Can you just explain that to... A sizzle
1: is basically, like, um, putting together either a scene or a set of uh, interviews and then editing something Mm. together. It's kind of a proof of concept for either a television show or a film. Mm. And it's like a little sizzle that just, like, gets people interested in potentially investing money or... Mm other actors that you Mm. could connect to the project or other producers and but you wanted to kind of like more than just having the script you wanted to kind of show what the visual style Mm. would look like and
0: and who the people who are yeah
1: and to kind of prove not only it was for us it was to prove not to just myself but to not just to everyone else but prove to myself like hey is this idea is this really you know i want to see what it looks like Mm. get it you know and sometimes you got to do that to kind of prove the projects you Mm. know there's so many scripts yeah
0: i think i've seen at least two i don't know if they were sizzles or if they were actually pilots or something but the unlikely assassins and then the one before that about the the muppet the my girlfriend's a doll yeah yeah my girlfriend's a (laughs) doll
1: yeah those are both i mean i love both of those projects yeah. yeah
0: but i mean just for people that just don't know that world it just seems to me that and I mean, this is, it's happening also in this other parallel high art world that you're constantly putting together these pitches, these projects, investing your own money yeah. usually and your own time into well, and, this.
1: And because of, I mean, I had people who said they would invest money mm-hmm. and then at the last second didn't yeah. and it destroyed friendships. Yeah. And there, you know, when I look back at LA, a lot of it will be the interpersonal relationships that I either didn't avoid or mishandled Mm -hmm. or was around people that either weren't the right people or I wasn't in a space where I was, I, you know, I'm I'm sure there were times that I could have handled things better, but Mm -hmm. at the same time I look back and I, I, you know, I, there was times when I felt people didn't handle situations. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and I, I, it it was really hard on me, like being around Um, And I'm sure I was hard on them. And Mm. it's, it was a lot of growing. Um, There was a lot of falling down through Mm. that in terms of, but I think a lot of that had to do with too, like, just like, you know, because, you know, rent was high and stuff, you had to live with roommates. Mm. And then you're dealing with people that you get to know them so well. And, you know, you start seeing like different levels of seriousness Mm -hmm. when it comes to show business. And they're saying one thing, but they're doing something else. And then maybe I'm more intense than I should have been. Um, mm-hmm. But it's also like, I don't want to be around people that weren't doing it, you know, yeah. like not, I didn't like, I,
0: they weren't ambitious enough. Actually. Well,
1: it just, it just really lying to themselves yeah. about what it was. And, and look, it's hard. It's mm-hmm. not easy. And it's not that people weren't trying. Mm-hmm. It's just that they, you know, like if you looked at someone's week and they're just high for, you know, Most six right. of those days, mm-hmm. I don't believe you when you tell mm-hmm. me that you're really serious. I mean, look, some people can pull that off, but the people I knew weren't yeah. functioning. I mean, I, I, I've never I mean, met I, I can see
0: how someone would kind of get into a weird kind of inertia because it just does seem like so impossible It's sometimes. daunting, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you have to really love it. I mean, it. even
0: just getting auditions is it's
1: hard. hard enough. So hard. And then the psychological mess of just being turned down. that
0: Constantly. Man. Especially,
1: I, I, I was, because, I mean, it, hard enough on i do specifically women i think they deal with because it's there's so much about just your physical appearance at that point mm-hmm. and just so much rejection mm-hmm. and for men though too but i just saw I, I, it's just, it's hard on people. Yeah. And, um, you know, this idea of like, well, you got to just push through or, you know, the audition itself has to be a performance and that has to be at the end. I mean, end. that's
0: cute. It can help yeah. you through it. But the fact of the matter is it's, it's a numbers game. Yeah. And there's like only so much space out there. And yeah. there's, yeah. And the thing
1: that's frustrating is you hear like Ryan Gosling talking about this. Mm-hmm. And he says, even he says, he's like, it's stupid. Like it's yeah. statistically completely unlikely mm-hmm. it, it makes no sense who ends up actually getting mm-hmm. the thing and you know this idea of like as an American we think like oh well if I just work harder than the next guy no. well then I'm gonna I'm gonna get it yeah and it, it just you know from what I've seen on from my perspective mm-hmm. I thought pre, pre-moving to Los Angeles I thought the cream rises to the top mm-hmm. and Unfortunately, I think there's just so many people and mm-hmm. there's so few opportunities yeah. that I don't, I, I just don't think that, I, I I think that there's a level like- Of
0: randomness. Uh, or yeah. Random. I don't even want to
1: say luck. Yeah. It's like, it's. It, you get to a place where there's such talented people mm-hmm. not figuring it out mm-hmm. and- people that like are okay figuring mm-hmm. it out yeah. and just yeah. saying that it was oh because somebody worked it. so what does that then mean how do you wrap your head around yeah you know like it's truly unfair mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's it's not about you know it's not a meritocracy yeah. it really isn't yeah. and the cream doesn't rise yeah. to the top
0: and but you also talked about this this thing and this is relevant now because of what's happening with the strikes is that there's just the middle class it's this this like hollywood middle class this idea of like an, a gigging actor yeah. that's just kind of well, or I just think, or a writer or yeah. whatever that's just kind of you know living a normal life you don't have to be famous but now it's like you either don't make it at all or you make it big well the it seems the, like.
1: the illusion of the internet they really really it was clever how they screwed everybody because basically they said anything that's on the internet isn't union Mm -hmm. And so they allowed all of this stuff to get, you know, all of a sudden Netflix is in, -hmm. you don't have to pay them residuals. You don't have to do any of this. And the people at the very top were getting their money because they were able to negotiate. Mm -hmm. But the, you know, the, the person on the come up or the, 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 you know, the lowest person on the staff, they're getting, you know, they're not getting a residual on Mm -hmm. anything on Netflix or on HBO go or, Mm -hmm. um, Atrio Max or whatever. And so, yeah, it was, and in for actors, there used to be an entire, like, um, everything was done through the union. Mm-hmm. And so you could make a legitimate living with like getting a McDonald's commercial once a year. Yeah. And then that stuff started to dry up because everyone was doing it non-union.
0: Mm.
1: And that so that money went away. The writing money went away because there's not as many 24 episode shows where you're getting residuals, mm-hmm. you know, and then they started doing things like what Marvel did where they would bring in these big writers rooms. Mm-hmm. So for one of the things they're doing now is they'll, they'll go to somebody like, let's say, I, I don't think they actually did this with Aaron Sorkin, but somebody as famous as Aaron mm-hmm. Sorkin and they'd say, all right, we're going to bring in a team of writers. We're going to just pay them scale, like a daily mm-hmm. rate they're going to help you break down the season or just the 10 episodes that you're going to do. And it's all broke. Like all the scripts are figured out. Mm. And now somebody just needs to write the actual like shootable script. We'll let you do that. Even though all of the work has been done by this team, this committee of writers and none of that committee ever gets their name on one script yeah so when you're doing but like they're
0: it written at the end of the in the credits of no, the
1: writer's room not at all
0: nothing they're not on at all on no, the work nothing that's fucked
1: up yeah and that's what they're that's one of the things that they're striking about is yeah. these these rooms that they're putting together this is mm. what marvel did yeah marvel did this for you know like for all of them uh, I don't know to what extent on yeah. which projects, but yeah, it's this, mm-hmm. and I've never been a part of one of these writers. I've just heard of these things, but, mm-hmm. um, it's a clever way of getting, a, you know, you, I mean, and a I mean, young they writer, get
0: paid their young writers who yeah. are hoping to well, make even connections. Not young, even
1: working writers right. who are like, Hey, okay. you want a day rate Yeah, and you have, you have no connection. You get no credit. You yeah. get no, no one will ever know you're a part of this, but you yeah. get for six weeks, you get paid every single day and then it's done. And And you don't
0: yeah, and this contract work trend man it's it's really, but it's happening in the classical music world as well that they just know, and I've heard some you know would be kind of manager types in in theaters talk about this, how much better it is for them to not have unionized orchestras to just pay people you know just kind of Look, uh, man, project I think, to project I think
1: bob Iger, the the C, what did we hear today so the CEO of Disney is making seventy eight thousand dollars a day yeah. It's just come on. It's yeah. just the, we got to have like it's hard enough to be a creative. Let's yeah. share the wealth. Like and we're not even talking I mean I know it's a winner I mean, take all mentality yeah. especially in America. Yeah. But we have, I mean
0: But these guys aren't even I mean th- what are they contributing? What you know what are they being paid for at that They're point?
1: being paid for their ability to take care of the people who invest in the company. Yeah. I mean it's just it it, it th- there is no th- There's absolutely no care given to Mm -hmm. anybody that isn't, doesn't have leverage. If you don't have leverage, they don't care about you. Mm -hmm. And the problem is it's going to shoot them in the foot because now, even now they don't let writers go to set. So there's a lot of writers now, the the next wave, once this wave of showrunners, Mm -hmm. you know, dies off and retires, they don't even know how to run shows. They don't and know so, how to
0: be on the set of a show,
1: to, or to deal with the financial part of it, okay. and to you know, like that's a big part of show running. Is that you're not only a, you're the head writer, but oh, you're I also in know. charge of the business.
0: Oh, interesting! And you have to that. make
1: sure that you're hiring the right people to do yeah. budgets and all that. And so that, like, there's you know, there's an apprenticeship there that naturally mm-hmm. happened for many years. Yeah. That like is just gonna, and then what? Yeah. You know, like, and that'll affect the quality of the shows, mm-hmm. and that'll affect
0: i mean the paradox of all this is is that we've been living what for like the last 20 30 years in like some kind of tv renaissance they said right i think i would
1: say the last 20 years 20 years
0: yeah. um there's been and i guess thanks to hbo and netflix amc and yeah hbo
1: and, amc right. cinemax
0: and there's this cinemax. fragmentation of of audiences which is allowing kind of greater artistic freedom because yeah. you don't have to play to the middle you don't have to play for to everyone mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, you're having this incredible, like top heavy, just taking to the point where you really cannot have a middle-class life in Hollywood or as a, as a writer on shows.
1: Yeah. It's a, it's a, you know, I, I I don't know. To me, it's
0: like a bubble that's about to burst. It's got to, Yeah. because there's like, in terms of the quality that as, as, as you know, viewers that we have at our fingertips online in terms of these shows, even in terms of comedy that, you know, we all, I know you say that it's different to watch it online and watch it in person, but there's, we have amazing comedians at our fingertips. There's, we have, I mean, there's an incredible, you know, creativity in that whole show business world, actually, and there's a lot of really quirky, weird stuff happening and, but at the same time, there's just it, this is not sustainable. Like the, the majority the,
1: the, the, of the people aren't sharing in the in the yeah. profits. I
0: was someone was just telling me the other day that there's someone who works on like one of those night shows, right? And so he's actually like it's someone that you could maybe recognize if yeah. you watch those. And he has to go to a bar to work. I mean, he you know like yeah. he he has oh, to supplement his income. Yeah. But this isn't. We're not talking about someone you know like on a I don't know who's an actor on some yeah. little show off Broadway. No, we're talking about someone on like a huge show that, you know, millions of me I guess people As a watch. Writer as a, i think is a, in front of the camera okay so this is someone who's recognizable yeah. potentially but he has to like secretly go work in some dive bar
1: well something. i mean that's not new uh charlie kaufman or i'm um, sorry mm-hmm. uh andy kaufman uh mm-hmm. i think was known for doing stuff like that and i mean at the beginning you got to do what you got to do you know
0: yeah at the but, beginning but it's like it's trickling its way yeah, up
1: but at the, the beginning the,
0: that's fine it, it yeah. seems like
1: even the guy who's you know yeah, it's there. Just needs to be more sharing of the profit. Like if someone wins, everyone should win. That's it. Yeah. Like it, it, it's not. It's just greed. But the people and, who
0: are actually making need to because there's absolutely. too many of these people sitting on the top. Like these people. Yeah. We well, call but even the, like, the
1: top. I mean, it's not. You know, the people who have already made it. That's not who we're talking about. I'm talking about the people who are grinding out these days, who are sitting in obscurity, who are, you know working at some office job in Los Angeles so that they can like either go do sets at night or mm-hmm. try to get their script made or mm-hmm. these are the people that are getting like it's getting harder and harder because
0: right. it's like there's a shrinking pool yeah. of people who are actually but then but with this model this contract model that's that's also taking away these jobs right because it's kind of like a lot of people get their taste maybe yeah. But no one really is able to build some kind of like sustainable life out of out of
1: this. It's tough because it's always going to be hard. Yeah. No matter what, even if they make it fair and like mm-hmm. all of a sudden now, you know they allow yeah, another five thousand people into the Writers Guild, right. which would only be I think like sixteen thousand people. There's it's you know it's still going to be hard. Yeah. Um, it just it does feel like
0: there's just certain unnecessary things that just don't have to be this hard. Right. it's just it
1: greed this specific yeah. thing is greed yeah. and and just so we we can yeah. uh get back to so i can kind of explain how mm-hmm. the we got into the pandemic yeah. so all of these different things were you know playing a factor and then i uh i move out of that place that was like kind of idyllic and mm-hmm. um with a ping
0: pong sh- table that was idyllic to you.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. It was. It was. I was in the my thirties and yeah, the yeah. Bo-
0: Boy, what would what would you call it? The boy playhouse. The- yeah, and
1: I, I was. Um, it was great. It was really lovely. And during this time, I started producing a show in LA called The Secret Show at the Blind Barber. Mm-hmm. And you got, said you
0: were really good at like, intro- like being the what do you call it? The MCE of yeah, a, of, yep. of comedy
1: shows. Yeah, it was yeah. really fun. Because it's its
0: own kind of. It's its own craft, right? Yeah,
1: it was a it was a great way. We provided a great you know showcase. The show still goes on in Culver City, and um, it was awesome. And I'm grateful to have done it for eight years. And it was I met a ton of amazing people and got to mm-hmm. open for Chappelle and um, many people, Chris Rock mm-hmm. and uh, Ali Wong, and um, and I could go on and on. We have so many great mm-hmm. people that came through that that show, and I. Um, so many like uh, yakov shmirnov mm-hmm. uh, to the lady who's on the ATT commercial like okay. she I don't know that is. yeah she's a comedian apparently mm-hmm. and she did okay. get her show <laughs> and um so it it, it was um, it was awesome but i was i wa- i felt like i was i was providing mm-hmm. uh, a showcase where there's lots of agents and stuff but mm-hmm. i didn't feel like i was pulling my access i didn't mm-hmm. i didn't feel like my career was moving forward and I felt really, I just felt stuck. And mm-hmm. a buddy of mine that I worked at, uh, at a restaurant with, I eventually bought us tickets and we ended up going to Vietnam mm. and Cambodia and had this crazy trip that I thought maybe I wasn't going to come back from. Mm-hmm. And
0: I... And this you you chose to go on this trip because you hit this wall. I like, just, just felt, this yeah, felt like it yeah. just was going nowhere. It
1: just wasn't working out. Like mm-hmm. I just, it was, I was struggling and... Um, just, but it wasn't
0: so much that you were struggling like financially, or that you were yeah, struggling, I was struggling financially. Also, I was, yeah. But it was. But you also. But you were doing shows. You were doing this MC stuff. Yeah, you were but doing, I wasn't. We to... weren't making
1: any money doing that. Right. Like it okay, was. Okay, that it, was it, volunteer. It, yeah, it wasn't necessarily. It was volunteer. Just we weren't making. It. We we made very little, and um, it, you know, the whole point of it was to like, you know, you were gonna. Hey, I'm going to get opportunities. I'm going to meet all these people. I'm going to, you know, and that's why you did it. Yeah. I'm in the, I'm in the mix. I'm, I'm actually doing it. And I just, I didn't, you know, eventually I just got to a place where it was like, it wasn't like the reason why we were doing it wasn't to keep doing that. Mm -hmm. We, you know, at the same time, there was a show over at, um, this comic book store and they got on comedy central and then um, they were able to kind of leverage it into some next level success. And mm. none of us were able to do that with this. And these guys were just comfortable doing it. The guys mm. I was running with, and I was like, it just wasn't enough for me. Like yeah. it was cool. I got, I was around a lot of successful mm. and talented people, but I wasn't figuring out. I mean, mm. I was lucky I had written for the show, but mm-hmm. that was then coming to an end. And it, it was just like, it was just a weird time. And so I, I was you know, and I'm, I can't remember all the details, but there were also like, you know, relationships with friends and mm. there were some things waxing and waning and, mm. and it all kind of came to head. And we just said, you know, screw it. Let's just, you know, you and your buddy. Yeah. Let's go to Asia. Mm-hmm. And, um, with this idea of like legitimately being like, maybe I just won't come back for a while and I'll just, you know, like, mm. like clear,
0: disappear. Kind yeah. Of clear my
1: head and yeah. just go get a different perspective. And mm-hmm. like, it just needed a break. And, during that trip, I realized I just needed a vacation, but my mm-hmm. friend, he, without me knowing it, um, he planned a whole life and mm. ended up, he wasn't a hundred percent sure, but on the last day of the trip, he's like, yeah, I'm not coming back. Mm. And he bought a black motorcycle with a red communist star on the gas tank and spent <laughs> three months driving up the Ho Chi Minh trail. And, uh, I went back and visit him when he was in Hanoi and, um, um that story ended up being something that sat in my head as potentially a, a novel mm-hmm. and when and i wrote a bunch of it down and mm-hmm. i even i think took a UCLA class like novel writing 2 or mm-hmm. something um and and then had it all outlined but it was kind of sitting there um This
0: was like what year that you took this trip?
1: Uh we took it in 2017. Okay. Um, I think I probably didn't start writing until 2018 Mm -hmm. and then I wrote, you know, I was, I was still learning how to write. Um, I realized after going to like, I had no, I I mean, I went to film school and learned how to write screenplays, but Mm -hmm. I didn't really know how to write like proper (laughs) prose. And it was, you know, it was, it was pretty humbling. And, Mm -hmm. um, so I went through this process with this project. And then when uh, during that time I was also doing a ton of cruise ship, you know, performing mm. with stand up, and I, I just did not enjoy. I really grew to hate that because although the money was good, the the audiences just weren't my mm. my cup of tea, and I just grew to really hate the entire industry. If mm. you look into cruise ships at all, what they do to the employees, and I just if the idea of a floating Applebee's sounds amazing <laughs> to you then go on a cruise ship. (laughs) But if it doesn't, if it sounds like pure hell, then stay away from the cruise ship industry.
0: (laughs) I've known, for the record, I've known uh, musicians who just love doing cruise ships. Yeah.
1: I'm sure there's some people. There's plenty of people where it fits in and Applebee's is a great corporation. (laughs) You know, I can go have a mozzarella stick there someday and be fine. I just, I don't know. Maybe I had a bad attitude, whatever. Well,
0: I just think it's crazy to have to, Perform a set every day for potentially even the same people. Sometimes, like no,
1: there was enough people on these ships. I mean, there's, there's like nine thousand these... people oh, on one of these ships. Like these are mega ships. Oh, okay. And so, yeah, you'd get some, yeah, you know. But I also we were only doing like twenty minute sets. Okay. It was pretty cool. The actual yeah. shows themselves, like the setup, wasn't bad. And look, once or for a while, mm-hmm. but like once you realize, like the smallest infraction, they would, you yeah, you told people, me. Some, yeah. yeah, I mean, there's just they run They just it. really own you at it's that an, point. It's, it's a moving island. It's yeah. a ship that yeah. is a city basically. Yeah. And so they have to run it tight, mm-hmm. but you, you they, they take your passport. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just these things where you just kind of get dehumanized yeah. by it. And some people can play that game. I, I just, it, it, artistically, it was a million miles where I wanted to yeah. be. And it sucked because it was like, it was good money. And it mm. was, it really tortured me because it's yeah. like, God, I need the money but I can't and yeah and look i'm not the obviously the first person to ever have that dilemma but it it, it just i was off the uh, coast of haiti when mm-hmm. the pandemic was yeah. announced and we didn't even know if they were gonna allow us back into port it was just mm-hmm. wild wild time and um so those are the last stand-up shows i did and um uh you know during the pandemic I went through a breakup and um
0: but the pandemic i mean it just sounds like the pandemic as hard as as hard as it was for you i think it was harder for you than it was for me because for various reasons but i i do think it just gave you the opportunity to be able to get off a certain train that you were on yeah and no i think that was
1: i think that's true for a lot of people and it's true for a lot of
0: people it was true for me as well yeah yeah to just rethink what the i think for
1: me i it, it came simultaneously went through a breakup Mm-hmm. simultaneously like had real death like my grandparents yeah. dying mm-hmm. there it just stacked for me mm-hmm. and then the, iso- the isolation The isolation for i'm a true extrovert and to i you just i didn't understand how much that mm. that fed me yeah and it really uh sucked me out and but the one thing i did good i wrote i yeah. used all this time and um and I finished full drafts of this, and then mm-hmm. took these nine-month masterclasses through mm-hmm. uh, UCLA, and and then um, got into the Prague Summer Writers Program, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, c'est la vie. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's how we met. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so we got all the way through to kind of like the moment of transformation. Um, and i think that now you know if people listen to this they'll have kind of understood where you're coming from and um there's just i think now there's just a lot of things to talk about from our two parallel worlds totally that are that are kind of interesting so next time
1: yeah i'm excited
0: hope you enjoyed that conversation from the high low art divide in the next episode nick and i will argue about the book death of the artist by william dereziewicz right after attending a talk with dereziewicz himself subscribe wherever you get your podcast so you don't miss the next conversation so that you can decide for yourself who's right an opera singer and a comedian walk into a bar is a segment of the *Artists on the verge podcast written recorded and edited by emma katrovis The music for this segment is the song Stars by Janice Ian, performed by me. Though sadly not in a bar, but edited to sound like it. All information about the podcast, where to follow it, and how to support it is in the description. Here's to being on the verge.